Welcome back in, football fans. We have nearly made it all the way to the NFL draft. It's happening either tomorrow, if you're one of our late listeners and you've got it in your ears on Wednesday night or today, if you pick this up on Thursday morning as you've woken up. Um, we've nearly got through all the divisions on our way to early preview. Um, we will have one division, unfortunately, which will come post-draft, um, but obviously we'll be able to then review what has gone down in the draft um, but the division that we're going to pick up on before we do get indeed to that draft later on today is the NFC South, um, a, a division that was dominated by the New Orleans Saints last year. And they'll be looking to repeat, but obviously certainly one franchise in the division making an awful lot of noise, which we'll get to later on in the podcast, of course. Um, but let's open up with the Saints as the division winners and probably the division favourites heading into the 2020 season. And to talk all things Saints, I'm welcoming Dave from the full 10 yards to have a chat with me. How are you doing this evening, mate? I'm very well, thanks, Sean. How are you, buddy? Not too bad at all, mate. Thank you. Good. Not too bad. Not Good. too bad. Still getting a good kick out of talking some football, mate. Um, It's a very welcome distraction. And I think, obviously, the draft probably carrying even more significance than normal as it's the only thing on the agenda, really, in the sporting world. We'll obviously get to what the Saints want to do in the draft very shortly. But let's let's talk off-season so far, mate. And we probably can't start anywhere else than, obviously, the re-signing of Drew Brees. Um, It almost appears to be a regular off-season discussion point now, doesn't it? (laughs) Is he coming back or is he not? But he's certainly back. Um, I think I'm right in saying, is it another one of these two-year deals that effectively is probably a one-year deal? Yeah, and I think this time they might mean it. Uh, the to me, I think this is it. Uh, but then again, I've thought that for the last two years as well, so I'm probably wrong. But yeah, it's a two million, a two million. I wish it was two million, <laughs> a two-year two deal for it, and uh, it voids at the end of uh, the coming season. Um, he, with all this talk of him possibly moving into the booth, I think it's on Monday Night Football as well. Is this his last rodeo? Uh, quite possibly, I think. Yeah, I think there's every chance, isn't there? I mean, I suppose let's let's ask the the sort of the the main question though. Is it right for him to come back? Do you think? I mean, he's obviously come back to essentially win it all. Um, we'll get onto that probably right at the end in terms of what you expect from the season. But I mean, do you think Breeze is the right man to do it? Obviously, there was a lot of talk about the three quarterbacks on the roster last year. Probably, yeah, a lot of noise certainly around Taysom Hill, and I'll get your view on him shortly. Um, but do you think it was right for Breeze to come back? Is he what the Saints need? Do you think? To get the, to get the job done, I mean, every team would like a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson, and that's not to denigrate Drew Brees because he's a Hall of Famer um, and has been for several years. You know, he's just been adding his credentials further in the last five or six years. But I mean, yes, he is fading. His arm strength is—it's getting into Peyton Manning territory. But later year, fading Peyton Manning territory. Teddy Bridgewater, who everyone loved, everyone loves Teddy. He pretty much did us a favour by sticking around when he could have gone to the Dolphins last year in free agency. Um, you know, he served as well. You know, he, he was a he was good, but he wasn't Drew Brees, even 42-year-old Drew Brees. And the same with Taysom Hill as well. The only red flags for me are post-season Drew Brees the last couple of years. Um, you look at 
last se- the season just gone, the division, uh, the playoff game against the Vikings, he wasn't good. And the season prior to that, you know, after Thanksgiving, he just fell off a cliff. And even in the Rams game, where you know the refs did what they did or didn't do, uh, you've got to put some of that on Breeze as well. No, but absolutely. yes, I, I mean, I am pro Breeze for one more year. Um, and I would not be surprised if we do start building a team around we built it around Michael Thomas last year other additions that have come in I don't expect us to be a high scoring team in the coming year I think that we're going to try and rely a lot more on the defense but Breeze as a game manager now is the guy for the job it's interesting you say that because I mean from the outside view looking in I mean one of the moves that I was you know particularly um, sort of encouraged by as a neutral was the addition of Emmanuel Sanders um, obviously, he moved in season last year to the 49ers and certainly improved their offense. You know, he's a nice complimentary piece. You know, we all know what Michael Thomas can do. Um, you know, Ted Ginn can still take the top off a of defense. But I think Emmanuel Sanders is a true sort of number two or slot receiver. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really underrated move this offseason, mate. You must have been pleased with that, uh, that addition. I mean, two years at 16 million is crazy for a guy who went from a a Broncos team that were in rebuild to a 49ers team. You saw what he did against the Saints in that game at the Superdome. He, I mean, the George Kittle run at the end won it, but Sanders game, you know, I think he had 100, over 150 yards, a couple of scores. And, you know, what a player. He wasn't that great in other games for the 49ers. He did tail off a bit after that. But when we've been flailing around with an aging Ted Ginn, a Traquan Smith that can't catch balls, a Keith Kirkwood, who who the hell is Keith Kirkwood? <laughs> and I think Austin Carr as well. We now have someone who can, you know, distract defences while Michael Thomas goes and does his thing. Yeah, definitely agree with you there, mate. I think, you know, bringing another distraction in and, like you say, potentially opening up even more room for Michael Thomas can never be a bad thing. He's done plenty um, with all the attention he gets at the minute anyway, so you can only imagine how good he might be um, with attention focused elsewhere as well. Talk us through the mate, some of the lower-level stuff that might have slipped under the radar of the casual fan. Um, I know, obviously, you said there that some of the defensive moves have been pretty good, so probably start there and talk us through some of the uh, other free agency moves. Absolutely. So in 2014, we decided to let Malcolm Jenkins leave the building, which probably crippled the franchise for about two or three years because 2014, 2015, 2016 is when we had just, we were getting destroyed in the secondary. And I think that was the time of Brandon Browner uh, in the secondary for the Saints. And he was just awful. But last month, Malcolm Jenkins agreed to a four-year, $32 million contract with us. It's more of an emotional return to be a locker room leader, I think. At the age of 32, he'll be 33 come the end of the year. Uh, he's not going to get any younger. If He's still playing at the end of that four-year deal when he's 36, 37, then good on, good on him. Um, other players that we've added, uh, Dietrich Nichols, who is an XFL player we signed. Uh, that's on a one-year deal. And also DJ Swearinger. I'm hoping that we get the 2016 version of DJ Swearinger at the Cardinals rather than the later years DJ Swearinger. Uh, at the Redskins, I think they cut him or traded him after he was going into the press to criticise coaches and he wasn't really turning up on the field either. It's a one-year prove-it deal at $1.1 million. And the really lower-level free agency signing, uh, people probably haven't noticed that Zach Line retired. Um, everyone's favourite 40-1 to anytime touchdown score of bet, Zach Line. And we've replaced him with Michael Burton. 
your guess is as good as mine as to who that is, but Saints have a fullback again. Um, <laughs> whether or not he'll actually see any game time really remains to be seen. On the l- losses, as it were, uh, Von Bell uh, is the casualty for us for free agency. I really like Von Bell. I thought he was fantastic. Um, he's gone to the Bengals, who for once were making moves in free agency as well, and best of luck to him. Um, we've replaced him with Jenkins, and you know, hopefully Jenkins plays as well as Bell did last year. And I expect him to, but it is a bit of a shame about Bell, but he deserves to go and get paid somewhere, and good for him. Uh, elsewhere, well, the obvious one, Teddy Bridgewater, um, the, the six-game hero after Breeze's broken thumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of another backup quarterback like Teddy who is adored through a six-game run of uh, wins than anyone else. He's, I'll be fascinated to see the reaction when he comes back to the Superdome for the Panthers. It is a shame he's gone to a divisional rival. But with the Panthers in rebuild, they have to spend a bit of money on someone other than Kyle Allen or Will Greer. And good for Teddy. Um, he's gone and got paid. He deserved it. He stayed with us a year longer than he probably should have done. Um, and yeah, good for him. And elsewhere, we've uh, probably cut a bit of fat uh, in terms of the free agency. Stefan Anthony, Eli Apple, who I did not rate one bit, uh, has left the building. Uh, and we've essentially replaced him with Janoris Jenkins, who we picked up by a trade last year with the Giants. And we signed Jenkins to a, I think it was a three-year, a two-year extension, along with David Onyemata as well, who's got a three-year deal. And that's about it, really, other than um, the main re-signing of Andrus Pete, who managed to get $57.5 million and a five-year deal out of the Saints in $33 million in guarantees, despite being quite average last season I mean, you look at that playoff game against the Vikings and he was just all over the place and he's been injured as well he's missed time I thought that we may have got after an offensive lineman in the draft but I mean 57 and a half million on Andres Pete that's a pretty strong commitment and I mean I really hope it doesn't blow up in our faces yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the draft shortly. But like you say, there's plenty of offensive tackles um, that are being talked about. So it is a good year to need one. So like you say, a big commitment to a player that's you know, certainly probably gone on a little bit of a downturn. You know, Fingers crossed he can obviously spin that back around and start moving in the right direction. Just, just yeah. in terms of Teddy, and I know we're going to chat some Panthers in a little bit, but I think one of the things with Teddy is just that he's a bit of a good news story and a feel-good story all around, isn't it? I think everyone sort of almost yeah. half expected his career was done. Um, so I think as much as anything, there's that uh, you know sort of attachment to the actual backstory of Teddy, isn't there? And the fact that he's he's come back, um, you know, and like you say, he'll get a chance now to you know really resurrect his career. You would assume as a full-time starter, um, you know. So like you say, good good on him. Um, I know he got a little bit of a reputation as a bit of a game manager, but. I've been on record of saying if someone can manage games and they end up winning games, I don't, I don't really see what the problem is, to be honest. it's. Uh, I completely sh- agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and the last game he played for the Vikings was, uh, or the last game free injury was that game in Seattle where Kai Forbath missed that absolute dolly from in front of the post to win the game for them 12 10. They ended up losing 10 9. And Teddy, you know, it wasn't great. He was 17 of 24 for 146 with no touchdowns. But I mean, that was a prime Seattle defence. And he looked great all of that 2015 season. And thought, wow, this is going to be the guy that really takes the Vikings on to the next level. And then he gets that non-contact ACL injury. And he said, oh, you know, 
such a shame. And then, yeah, he bounces around, goes to the Jets, ends up at the Saints. And even not last season, but the season before when he came in for a game, he looked pretty ropey. But then he was given essentially a, a one-year, well, not a prove-it deal, but $7.25 million last year by the Saints. And lo and behold, Drew Brees gets injured. And he comes in and you know, he played well. I mean, like you say, if a game manager wins the games, he's doing his job properly. There are questions about his air yards, but you know, a game against Tampa, who I know were quite porous last year, you know, he threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And that was with a Saints team that only had one wide receiver. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Like you say, I mean, I, I you know, seriously hope that he does do well. We'll talk um, Panthers in a little bit, um, but like I say, certainly a good, um, you know, bounce back campaign for him last time around. Um, yeah. Bit of a shout out as well for my uh, XFL fandom. Um, I think Dietrich Nichols, good pickup. Um, you know, he was leading the XFL in interceptions at the time of its unfortunate demise due to obviously COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, that's got an awful lot to answer for that thing, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully, again, another player that's been given an opportunity, was drafted back in the day, um, well, was an undrafted free agent pickup from the Cardinals a couple of years back. Um, you know, he took advantage of an opportunity. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he cracks the full-time roster, mate. Um, one to keep an eye on in training camp, um, if if a training camp does go ahead, I suppose. Oh, yeah, it's untrued. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's talk mm. draft then, mate. Um, as I say, it's happening um, either later on today um, or, well, it could have happened at any point, I suppose. It depends when you listen to this podcast, doesn't it? Absolutely, so, yeah. <laughs> you I, could I about, can't believe the Saints picked Joe Burrow. I was going to say, you could have you could have about to be looked very foolish, mate. I'll give you the <laughs> yeah. cards on draft night. Where do you want to go? What, what positions do you think the Saints should be addressing? Well, this draft conversation shouldn't take too long as the Saints have a measly five picks of the second year running. Um, we've got the 24th overall and then a third rounder, a fourth, a fifth and a sixth. Um, our second and seventh essentially became Eric McCoy, who we got last year, and then Eli Apple we got uh, back in 2018, I think, in the 2018 season. Um, you know, they were reasonable selections, you know, especially essentially a seventh uh, and a 2019 fourth for Eli Apple. But, I mean, every hour there seems to be breaking news about Team A is going to send the house to Team B to move up two spots to take a wide receiver who could be just as good as the one they were going to draft anyway. Yep. Um, 24th overall, I've seen plenty of mock drafts, including our own, which said that we're going to take someone like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. A linebacker, they seem quite interchangeable. We don't have the capital to move up, well, this year's capital to move up at all, really. But I would not be surprised if Sean Payton or Mickey Loomis pulled a move where they send next year's first rounder for someone. I don't know. It's a complete crapshoot to me about who we could get because we do have Sanders and Thomas, but do we want to get a young wide receiver in again to make, you know, if LaVisca Chenault's available at 24, I know a lot of teams love him. Do the Saints want to go after him? I would like a cornerback, but, you know, obviously they're not going to get Jeff Okuda or uh, CJ Henderson, but, cornerback's the one area where I don't feel as comfortable as anywhere else on the field. We've had the issues of Eli Apple. Marshawn Lattimore seems to flash hot and cold for me. Um, he is our CB1, but I do feel like we can improve the secondary. The linebacker talk probably makes most sense just because we've lost AJ Klein to the Bills and that leaves Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone and Kiko Alonso, who are all great, but all in the final years of their contracts. 
And I think Kiko Alonso tore knee ligaments in the Vikings playoff game as well. So it'd be interesting to see how he's recovered from that. Offensive line, there's a wide depth of O-line talent. If we think we could move up 10 spots, which I don't think we can with our capital, you know, could we go and get an O-lineman? But then we've just given Andrus Peake 57.5 million. Um, I mean, I expect us to take a linebacker, but who knows if Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, we always expect the Saints to not do anything in free agency because they're skinned, they're up against the cap, and then they <laughs> cook the books, basically, and end up you know, spending $32 million on Malcolm Jenkins. The one thing that is really tickling the fancy is if Jordan Love's available at 24. If Jordan Love's available at 24, and with this being Breeze's last year, I, I can't see how we don't take a quarterback like Jordan Love. Um, Taysom Hill is, he is a quarterback, but he is a quarterback. And he's, I think people seem to forget how old Taysom Hill is as well. He's seen as this prospect, but the guy is actually 30, I think, or he's going to be 30 in August. So it's not like we have five, 10 years of Taysom Hill to look forward to. So, yeah, I, I would like, I don't know what I'd like. I just, I just want us to get that final piece because the Saints team is so stacked. So uh, we're in a win-now situation. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, man. Like you say, it's yeah. very much win-now mode. And I think, obviously, yeah. I think a lot is obviously going to depend on how the board does fall too. Yeah, I think the only thing I can, the only scenario I envisage of them sort of trying to trade up, and like you say, that would probably be using some of next year's capital, at least for a quarterback. And yeah. you kind of then, like you say, if, if you're sort of throwing all your eggs in this year's basket, that's not a move you're likely to make. I think it becomes really tricky, like, like you said there, if love does fall naturally to 24. Mm. Um, so that would be a really, really intriguing and interesting decision for them. Um, yeah, but like you say, I think in terms of the um, the other positions that you mentioned, again, I'm no college expert, but you know every sort of mock I've seen, it's been pretty much corner or, um, as you say, linebacker. Yeah. Um, I suppose in terms of um, the corners, as you said, obviously likely that Henderson um, is going to be off the board by then, but you know possibly somebody like a Christian Fulton, um, yeah, you know, potentially sort of dropping down to the bottom end of the first round. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Saints do do. Um, like you say, it could be very intriguing uh, depending on how the board falls. I, I, I personally can't see them going up wide receiver, but like you say, who knows? Exactly, yeah. And I think as well, it could be a situation with the Saints because they are so loaded. Just take the best player. You know, you don't have that many gaps to fill. Just take the best player on the board, and yeah. yeah Maybe it is Jordan Love or a another quarterback who probably won't play this year. But is taking a quarterback necessarily such a bad idea if this is Breeders last year? And what a person to learn behind as well. No, absolutely. Mate. I think it would be a wise move. Like I said, I think if the board falls that way, I think they would struggle to resist that temptation. Yeah. Um, yeah now, let's, for argument's sake, Christian Fulton and Jordan Love are still on the board. I think you would just take your chances on a corner, you know, back in the you know the third or fourth round when you've got those other picks. Um, yeah, and, you know, if Jordan Love is there, I think they will pull the trigger. But that's yeah, I completely agree. Well, then, mate, let's talk a bit of fancy football. It's far too early, obviously, because um, there's obviously <laughs> the draft that's um, you know happened or not happened, depending on when you're listening. Um, yeah. It's obviously taken into account, but obviously with the Saints, mate, I assume we're all on Michael Thomas. Um, obviously, just 
particularly PPR, you would have had a monster year last year, obviously. Um, Alvin Kamara could probably do with a bit of a bounce-back season, fancy-wise. Though, mate, this time 12 months ago, he was being talked about as one of the first, you know, two or, two or three picks off the board. He had a bit of a down year, really, so probably looking for a bit of an uptick in his production, I would say, from a fancy perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So... I did a 2019 redraft where I just basically looked at the highest scoring players uh, from last season. And Michael Thomas was third overall. So, I mean, he's going to... I would be surprised if someone was taking him third overall pick, fantasy. Um, that would be a pretty brave move. But with Kamara, I mean, every league I was in last year, it was Kamara was in the top four. It was Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliot, Kamara, and just swap them around. No matter what happens, you're going to get points. And Kamara was a bit of a letdown, fantasy-wise. He was injured, um, so there was a good eight or nine-week stretch where he didn't have a touchdown, maybe longer than that. Some of the games he played, some of the games he didn't play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Saints fantasy. I've been going over my mind if Emmanuel Sanders arriving diminishes Thomas's value, because you could say that he's going to take catches away from Thomas. But could, as we alluded to earlier, he's going to just be a distraction more than anything as well. Michael Thomas was making those catches whilst he was the only valid wide receiver on the team. What can he do if he's got Emmanuel Sanders on the other side of the field? Uh, when it comes to Breeze as a draftable quarterback, I'd probably avoid him. Maybe a QB too. And then you can just look at um, yeah, the schedule is a bit... Uh, well, I mean, it's... Uh, quite a disparity between quality, which we'll get onto in a bit. And then Kamara, I don't think he'll be a top three pick. If anyone's picking him in the top three or four, I don't think that's a wise move. However, if he starts to slide towards the end of the first round, and if he's there at the start of the second, that's probably decent value. And I know value is in the eye of the beholder, but to me, I won't be looking at Kamara as a top five pick whatsoever. And then you look at the other playmakers or skill position players, Jared Cook, he'll still perform well and he really came on towards the end of last season, but there's going to be other valid tight ends to take over him, such as Noah Fant, who's going to come on leaps and bounds this year, I think. And then if you want to get into the defensive side of things, not IDP, they're not going to go that meta with it. But the Saints defense as a viable pick is probably something that's a, a decent one to stream. Um, because whilst the division is looking quite strong, they do have some tasty-looking road games against uh, one Mitchell Trubisky, uh, which <laughs> could uh, be quite bountiful if you're that way inclined. So, yeah, I think you look at Thomas and Kamara. Um, Tom Thomas is definitely a first-round pick for me. Kamara, late first, early second. Yeah, I think that's fair, mate. And Dave, I've got to stop just there and tip my hat to you, my friend. I've done about 26 teams in this series. Now you are the first man to recommend a defence when it comes to fantasy football. That, that, that is some impressive uh, recommendation. Um, uh, only if they're playing the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my uh, uh, cornerstone there. I think one of the drafts I did last year, I think I took the Patriots D with my sixth or seventh pick. Just because I looked at their schedule and I thought, yeah, why not? We'll give it a go. And, um, that paid off. <laughs> I wasn't quiet about it after the first six, seven weeks, put it that way. <laughs> no, certainly, that's certainly a move that paid off, mate. Um, yeah. 
quick look at the betting man, then we'll switch the talk to um, the Panthers. Saints divisional favourites at ten to eleven. Um, yep. So just a shade of odds on. Like I said, they pretty much dominated this division last year. It seemed as though they had it won by around about November. Um, so I think that's probably a fair price. Obviously, Tampa are the ones that are making um, all the big noise. I'll talk to Murph later about his view on Tampa. Um, but you still fairly confident of the shade of odds on that the Saints are the team to win this division? Yeah, I mean, looking at our schedule, I'm not that concerned about the division. Um, I know divisional games are divisional games, and we slipped up against the Falcons last year at home, I think, where they basically blew us out. But it's our our home schedule is insanely difficult, and our road one actually seems quite favourable. So I think we're just going to have to rely on the Superdome fans because we've got to host the Packers, the Cursed Vikings, who I'm sick to the back teeth of, uh, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Chargers, as well as our divisional games. And the Chargers now are in a a team in a bit of a rebuild, but they still have Keenan Allen, who terrifies me. And then the Chiefs and 49ers, again, no more needs to be said. The Vikings are our bogey team, and the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. On the road, we've got the Bears, the Lions. I don't see any problems there. But then the Eagles, the Broncos, the Raiders. I mean, Eagles, I have down as being a Super Bowl contender this year. The Broncos are a dark horse to me. The Raiders are, uh, are going to be a bit naff, I think. <laughs> and then the Falcons, Bucks and Panthers, they're away divisional games. Uh, you know, it's, not, it's not beyond the realms so, that you know, we struggle. Uh, struggles are str- struggle for the Saints. I still expect us to win the division. But um, I must say that I've got to get this in. I think the Bucks are going to be an absolute dumpster fire this year. I, I, this Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski reunion just screams of getting the band back together for a reunion tour where they can't sing anymore. They're too old to play the instruments. And I, I could see the Bucks having the losing record. I, I don't want to go out on a limb and say it, but I could see the Patriots having a better record than the Bucks. Um, and I would be very interested to see how an ageing Tom Brady does in a division that's actually competitive. I've, I've just got to get that out there. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine, man. That's the, that's the beauty of these podcasts, mate. It's all about opinions. I'm, I'm sure, like I said, I'll be chatting to Murph a little bit later on. Um, yeah, for what it's worth, I'd probably have the books at probably around nine, ten wins, possibly. Um, you know, I think you know they are sort of very short in the Super Bowl, but in their fifth favourites for the Super Bowl. That Mon- is madness. That yeah. is absolute madness. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the Cleveland Browns from 12 months ago, to be honest. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's got to translate to on the field. But uh, we'll talk books a little bit later um, yeah. in terms of whether they will indeed be a dumpster fire or not. I'm hoping Murph has a slightly different take than that. I'm sure he probably will. Um in terms of Saints, mate, fourth favourite to the Super Bowl, 10 to 1. Um, I don't think it's particularly great value. I don't think we ever get any decent value, you know, so early in the season, to be honest. But no. 10 to 1, probably, you know, I think probably fair in terms of where they are as one of the shortest priced divisional favourites. Um, yeah. But obviously, um, you know, in terms of the NFC, second favourites behind just the 49ers. Um, and again, I think that's fair, isn't it? You know, you've got to, you know, beat the, uh, the team that sort of proved it last time around. So... Certainly shows that, mate, that they're up there in terms of consideration um, with the odds being a reflection of that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the three teams ahead of them, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the 49ers, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl, one team that, you know, just kind of fell over against the Titans, got out-coached really and outsmarted. 
and have Lamar, you know, young star and Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, the Saints' fourth favourites, that makes sense to me. Um, I think last year, it would have been great to see the Niners' Saints at Levi. I mean, uh, that's just from a, a neutral point of view. Obviously, it would have been great to see Saints-Niners in a rematch at uh, the Superdome in the NFC Championship. But those two teams were by far and away the best teams in the NFC last year. And the Saints just stumbled against the Vikings. Um, and it was a real letdown for the entire conference, really. Because I think you would have had a couple of blockbuster games there, had the Ravens and the Saints both not wet to bed, basically, um, at home as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, mate, it was a, a bit of a letdown. I think everybody from a neutral perspective was looking forward to that rematch, and unfortunately, mm. it didn't quite happen. But yeah. I suppose ultimately, that's why you have to play the games. Um, you know, and like I say, fingers crossed, if the Saints get a chance this year, they can right that wrong. Yeah. Um, Let's move on then, mate. I appreciate you're going to stay with me and talk a little bit of Panthers as one of your divisional rivals. Um, yeah. Makes a lot of sense for us to have a bit of a chat about it. We've talked about him in depth already, but obviously this is where Teddy Bridgewater has ended up. Um, probably a little bit of a rebuild job going on, it's fair to say. They've obviously locked up Christian McCaffrey. Um, but you know, what do you think Teddy actually brings to this team? Um, obviously, they've had a, you know, a, a good run, it's got to be said, to be fair, under... Cam Newton, I know he's, you know, for whatever reason, a little bit of a polarising figure, um, you know, but realistically, you know, certainly, you know, turned the clock back four or five years ago in, in that fantastic MVP season. Um, he's done an awful lot of good for that franchise. Um, but what do you think Teddy brings that this offence didn't have last year? Well, you know that he can pass the ball. You know he can throw the ball. You know he can get completions. He's more reliable than Kyle Allen. He's more reliable than Will Greer. Um, and I'd go as far as saying he's more reliable than last season's Cam Newton. Um, that's not to denigrate what Cam Newton did for the Panthers. Like you say, five years ago, he was incredible. And what he's done for the team and the city. I watched the um, Amazon Prime All or Nothing on the Panthers a couple of months ago. And I think that anyone with a bad opinion on Cam Newton that hasn't seen that series should go and watch that because my opinion was changed on him. And, um, I do hope he finds a landing spot somewhere after the draft because I think he'll be an asset in the locker room and on the field for, for a team somewhere. But Teddy brings... Um, I feel like the Panthers are paying Teddy just to stay keep the dressing room positive because they're going to have a losing season. Um, I can see the Panthers going 4-12 and 12 this coming year. I know they've added a couple of pieces in Robbie Anderson as well, uh, as well as Teddy. Uh, but... You just look around there and it doesn't seem to be enough to actually say this is a team that can compete and they know that. So how many picks they got this year? I think they've got seven or eight picks in the draft yep. this year, um, including one in the top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers traded out of the top 10 because what, do, do they need a player that makes them, you know, they one player short of a run when they could, so many teams apparently desperate to move into the top 10. Why not go and get two or three more picks and really bolster your lineup? Yeah, it's it, it's it's tough to disagree with that, isn't it? I mean, you've only got to look at some of the um, the free agency stuff that's that's gone down. Obviously, plenty of people going out the building in the other direction. James mm. Bradbury, Mario Anderson, Gerald McCoy. Um, 
you know, obviously we've mentioned Cam, you know, some some big names um, and some significant Luke contributors. Luke, yeah, Luke was one I was yeah. going to come on to. I mean, obviously that wasn't necessarily through choice, but that is no. obviously a, a huge blow for them, isn't it? With, you yeah. know, arguably the best linebacker or middle linebacker, at least, of the the last generation. Um, obviously calling it a day. Um, you know, that's a huge hole to fill, isn't it, Luke? Yeah, I'm really got the Cook Leakley, Luke Keekley. Um <laughs> <laughs> there because he I, I used to hate watching him play as a Saints fan because he was an absolute terror in the sort of 2013 to 2015 period when the Saints weren't that great Luke Higley was just destroying us and as the years went on he kept at that level whilst maybe the rest of the team weren't at that level and you know, good for him for having the confidence to walk away from the game because some players, I feel like, might get pressured into staying in the game because it's, I, I don't agree with this, but it could be only a concussion sort of thing. But I think raising awareness of such a serious injury, and he's had plenty of concussions as well, um, it was the right move for him. Uh, obviously not the right move for the Panthers because they're losing the guy that runs that defence. Um, but again, this is all part of the rebuilding job. And maybe they're hoping that someone like Brian Burns will take the reins or Shaq Thompson can take over the role of uh, what Luke Keekley brought to the team. But yeah, really, really, uh, it's a real shame for Luke Keekley and for the Panthers, but good for him at the same time. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Like you say, very good player and, uh, you know, wish him well in his early retirement. Um, Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? It's an interesting one because obviously he doesn't necessarily have the team accolades that usually go with it, Mm. but obviously that's, you know... (laughs) Unfortunately, that's one of those things with these type of yeah. questions, isn't it? That's nothing to do with his production on the field. Um, yeah. I think he's Seven borderline. I think he's, I think he's borderline. Um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he makes it. I also wouldn't be surprised if you know ultimately he gets passed on. Um, but you know, certainly, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, if you ask me to name the best middle linebacker of the last five to you know ten years, then that's the name that I would give you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of the moves that the Panthers have made, like say, are quite low level. You know, you mentioned Robbie Anderson. They've also brought in Seth Roberts as a wide receiver, Seth Devolve at yeah. tight end. Um, one that, again, um, XFL background, PJ Walker, quarterback. I would just say keep an eye on that. I think we're all expecting Teddy to start, and I hope he does. Uh, but PJ Walker did very well in his time at XFL and obviously has connections to Matt Rule. Um, so keep your eyes peeled onto that one. Um, but probably the, the big um, money, big money, big talking point was probably the trade that happened um, in terms of offensive linemen. Um, and that was obviously with the Chargers. Um, so the Chargers sending Russell Akung over um, and Trey Turner going in the opposite direction. Um, I've got to say on paper, that to me... Seems like a win for the Chargers. I don't know what you think, mate, but um, Russell I completely agree. On, the back, on the back nine of his career, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, I, I'm amazed that there wasn't a pick attached to this as well, was there? It no, was just, it was just a straight, straight swap. Yeah, straight swap. So you've essentially got the same player, but with five more years on the clock. Yeah. And uh, unless, I don't know, unless they think that they're going to have to pay Trey Turner at some point and they may as well get a veteran the time being maybe that means they're going to look to draft a tackle maybe and you know learn behind Russell Okung or alongside Russell Okung um, but it, yeah it really struck me as a peculiar one when that was announced that it was just a straight trade 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, for me, a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. Um, so, be interesting to see how that does play. You mentioned there that where they might look in the draft. You mentioned um, offensive line. I think it's these 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 sort of picks, if you like, are what are potential pinch points in the draft, aren't they? Because I think yeah. most people can probably say with an element of confidence, you know, the sort of positional groups that are going to go in the first five or six picks. I think the one that really starts people guessing is Carolina sitting at number seven. Uh, And and I've seen all different things mocked here. I've seen offensive linemen. I've seen Isaiah Simmons. I've seen um, offensive tackle. um, We've got Derek Brown on the full 10 yards uh, mock as well. I think it was Tim's. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Derek Brown at seven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just reading through here. This is actually from the, the Panthers um, website, which has sort of rounded up a number of mock drafts. And just going through the names here, I've got Isaiah Simmons, Jeff Akuda, um, CJ Henderson, which is following a trade down with the Buccaneers, um, <laughs> Derek Brown. Um, so there you go. You know, there's four different names from four different yeah. mock drafts. They, they really are difficult to put a handle on where they might go. Um, you know, That's why I think they might trade down. Yeah, I think trade down makes sense for a team that are rebuilding, but I'm going to do something dangerous now, mate. As a Saints fan, I'm going to give you the keys to the draft room of the Panthers on the night. Where would you, where would you go without sabotaging them, obviously? Yeah. Where, would, where, where would you go? Um, you know, And if you are looking to trade down, what sort of level would you be trading down towards? Uh, and obviously, who would you be looking to pick up um, once you did make that trade down? Well, you look at the uh, teams that have... Yeah, multiple picks in the first round and the Raiders jump out to me because no one knows what the Raiders are going to do. I don't think even John Gruden knows what the Raiders are going to do. Um, so if the Panthers could get, you know, swap first rounders, pick up a, a second with someone, I can't think of the team that would do it because there's so many options as well. There's not a, a standout trade candidate um, for them because you know, the Jags might want to move up even though the Jags are in a rebuild. The Falcons have a lot of picks. They might want to move up and try and get CJ Henderson before anyone. Um, if Justin Herbert continues to slide, does, does someone trade up for him? Um, I, I have the keys to the draft room. And if I'm not trading, just because hypothetically I can go in about 50 different directions with it, I probably do take a defensive tackle like Derek Brown. Um, because you look at the Panthers roster and they... They don't seem to be that strong in that area, I'd say. Um, there's some gaps there. Um, yeah, and you're not going to pick a wide receiver. You're not going to go quarterback because you've already committed money to players like Anderson, Bridgewater, Seth Roberts, DJ Moore. Um, offensive line, they, I'd be surprised if they went there. So, yeah, g- give me a defensive line then. Um, give, give me Derek Brown and uh, we'll call it quits from there. <laughs> no, now watch him pick up a wide receiver. Watch him pick up CD Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree, man. I think it makes um, a ton of sense if they stay at that pick. I think even if they trade down, depending on how far they come down, it could be somebody like Kinlaw on the defensive line. Yeah, um, yeah. So I do think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, like you say, I think in terms of the wide receivers, I think they'll continue to monitor the development of DJ Moore. He obviously came on well at the back end of last year. Mm. They've committed to McCaffrey and we talked just before we started recording. It, it it obviously makes sense in as much as he's obviously one of the best players in the league. But on the flip side of that, could he have also been potentially a real tradable asset considering they are about to go through a rebuild? Um, 
you know, and I suppose that's a very, very difficult one because obviously losing him makes them weaker immediately. Mm. Um, but in terms of the overall project of, you know, turning this team around, as you say, there's a number of holes that, that need to be filled on both sides of the football. Um, you know, somebody could have, you know, easily departed with a, a first round pick and possibly, you know, more for Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that, you know, that could have been an interesting one. Um, but they have obviously committed to him. Um, you know, so like I say, I think they, they do need, um, you know, a surplus of talent added to this team. Um, you know, tight end, you know, I'm just looking at the depth chart. Ian Thomas is number one tight end on the roster now. Greg Olson's left. So, you know, that's a need. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, wherever you look, there's plenty of requirements, isn't there? So, you know, I think a trade down does make sense. I do think there will be potentially a number of candidates, like you say, um, willing to move up. Um, I think there's that run, isn't there, between sort of LA um, in terms, sorry, not LA, Las Vegas and the Broncos. I think he goes Vegas, San Francisco, and then the Broncos pick like two picks later, and they're all potentially yeah. wide receiver needy. And the Jets as well. Jets potentially a wild yeah. card, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Eleven, um, although they obviously need tackle as well. So you know, the, Jets, the Jets need plenty. <laughs> yeah, the Jets, yeah, Jets might let the board fall to them because they yeah. have got those you know needs in both positions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what does happen. Um, but I'd like say with McCaffrey, because um, I did, yeah, you heard the whispers about are they going to trade him? You know, because as you say, they could have got an absolute haul for him, and they could have rebuilt the team. Yeah, with the, I don't know how many picks you'd get, but maybe, you know, if you were whistling it down to this year and next year, you could get two or three pretty decent picks from McCaffrey. I'm talking, you know, first rounders, seconds, maybe a third as well, because the guy's so unique. Um, you look at running backs now, and they seem to be three or four years and they're done. Todd Gurley being the prime example at the moment. But McCaffrey, that, the change in his body shape after the 2018 season was scary where he seemed like quite a small, almost like an Alvin Kamara style running back where you couldn't get a hand on him because he's quite small. He was quite wriggly. And then he turns up to last year and the guy's built like an absolute tank and he just changed like that. And the fact that he had over 1300 rushing yards, over a thousand receiving yards, that's a pretty unique player to me. And no matter how many picks you give someone realistically obviously for McCaffrey I don't think it's worth I don't think it's worth it for the Panthers because that that's a cornerstone of your team you've got Teddy Bridgewater who is gonna be there to keep morale up basically he he's a cheerleader who will quite happily throw it to McCaffrey I think we're going to see a record amount of screens even more <laughs> than last year uh, from the Panthers this season um yeah, McCaffrey's just an absolute one of a kind to me. Um, I mean, throwing it back to fancy or throwing it to fancy, if he's not the number one pick in leagues, every league this year, that league has got a serious problem with whoever picked number one. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it does link us nicely into that that sort of fantasy element. And like you say, McCaffrey's obviously going to go extremely high, like you say. I think last year there was talk of four at the top, as you alluded to earlier, wasn't there? McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliot and Kamara. I think you can probably narrow that down to two in terms of McCaffrey and Barkley, possibly. Yeah. Um, might be the only one that could compete, but I, th- I do think he'd certainly run CMC all day long as the number one player. Um, completely so, agree. 
so if we're looking elsewhere, mate, for, for Panthers, I mean, obviously I mentioned DJ Moore had a good, certainly second half of the campaign. Curtis Samuel's a player that continues to improve also, was a wide receiver. Um, failing that, though, we probably are struggling, if we're being honest, aren't we, when it comes to, to Panthers. We might have to wait until after the draft to find, you know, even a bit of a late-round sleeper here, I would have thought, possibly. Yeah, I mean, like we alluded to earlier, Ian Thomas and Chris Manhurts aren't exactly going to set the pulses racing at tight end. Um, Robbie Anderson intrigues me as not a WR1 by any stretch of the imagination, but the guy's electric and, you know, Teddy's an accurate thrower. There's not, it's only a hunch more than anything for Robbie Anderson, but they, are, they do have speed at wideout, actually, the Panthers. But there isn't that guy in the wide-out position that you say, that's the number one guy. Um, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Seth Roberts, Robbie Anderson. I think it could be a sort of wide receiver by committee uh, attack for them. And then, you know, you're not going to... I won't uh, make a shout for the Panthers' defence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even though they do have to play the Redskins this year. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at run CMC. And then if you're struggling for wide receivers maybe have a look at Robbie Anderson. Um, that was, but that's only a hunch because he did have flashes at the Jets where you thought he, you know, he might be all right. You know, he, had a, he had 779 receiving yards last year and how many scores did he have? Five scores. Not great to be fair, but that was with Sam Darnold who was just getting destroyed. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's certainly in a better room here, isn't he? Like you say, yeah. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, you know, Seth Roberts has been around a little bit, but, you know, he's he's always sort of relatively consistent, you know, probably coming somewhere in the region of sort of 30 to 40 catches throughout the season. So, you know, he's certainly not going to light up scoreboards, but, you know, he's a reliable option underneath in particular. Um, yeah. So, like you say, potentially, you know, opportunities for Anderson, you know, certainly stretching it down the field. Um, I mean, you know, obviously McCaffrey is such a dominant player on this offense. I mean, he's that dominant. I've just had to look on who Reggie Bonifon and Jordan Scarlett actually are. <laughs> the, the second and third running backs on the depth yeah. chart. So apologies, Panthers fans, if uh, if I've done them a disservice there. But I'll be honest, I've never heard of either of them. So there you go. And there's um, Alex Armour at fullback as well, just to get a sneaker fullback shout in there as well. Uh, yeah. A six-round pick from 2017. <laughs> uh, how 15 rushing yards across uh, three years. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it's very oh, much... sorry, 15 rushing attempts, sorry. Yeah. I wonder if it's ever happened before that it's, it is so lopsided on a team that, like I say, McCaffrey's almost the, the home run, sure, number one overall fantasy pick. And it could be another, you know, five, six, seven rounds even until another Panther comes off the board in fantasy <laughs> football. What about uh, Peterson with the Vikings? I wonder if he, uh, when he used to... Yeah, when he had that 2,000-yard season or around about then, if there was a greater disparity between the first Vikings player off the board and the next one. Could well be, mate. I think that's a yeah. fair question for our fantasy boys. So if you're, yeah. if you're listening, lads, full 10 yards fantasy, there's a bit of research for you. What's the biggest gap between a single player and yeah. the next player coming off the same team? We've just um, ruined someone's week here. We have, <laughs> yeah. hours to this. <laughs> That's fine, mate. They've got nothing else yeah. to do. We're all under lockdown anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll tweet it out on full 10 yards when somebody comes up with the answer for you, no doubt. Um, 
in terms of the Panthers, mate, we've alluded to the fact that they're in pretty much a bit of a rebuild mode and it won't surprise you that they are the rank outsiders for the division. Yeah. Um, they are 11-1, to 1, um, which I still think he's very skinny considering, but 11-1. Uh, so the same odds for the Panthers to win the division as it is for the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Absolute craziness, isn't it? So, not exactly great value, but I think obviously the fact that they are the outsiders is probably fair um, and probably the expectation. Um, Obviously, you know, if you think they can go all the way, uh, then good luck to you. Um, But if you fancy parting with a pound coin, you may well end up with 66 back in your pocket if that does happen. Um, You know, so again, probably a reflection of where they are. I think it's a rebuild that's going to take a couple of years. um, yeah. You know, obviously moving away from not just Ron Rivera, but obviously Cam Newton as well. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how the Panthers develop over the course of the year. Um, I think they could be quite quite conceivably a top five pick in the draft next year. Um, you know, and that that for me is another reason why trading down this year might not be a bad shout. Also, if particularly if you can get some capital for next year, you know, they could conceivably end up with a top five pick as well as another second um, first round of next year. Um, so, like I said, I think seven in the draft is an interesting point um, to see which direction they do indeed go. I'm actually surprised we haven't seen more trade downs in some of the mock drafts, to be honest, for the Panthers. Yeah, um, I, I so. completely agree. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up with two uh, picks in the top ten next year. Because if they do trade down and um, they go with someone like the Raiders, there's no guarantee that the Raiders are going to be up to snuff. They're in a division... That, like I say, I think the Broncos are a dark horse to do something in the coming season. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. And then, you know, you're looking at, you know, they've got to play the Saints or the NFC South in general. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers, end, if they did trade down, if they had a couple of top 10 picks next year. And then the world's your oyster. If you want to go and get Trevor Lawrence, provided there isn't a Joe Burrow-style player coming out from the woodwork next year. Yeah, go and get Trevor Lawrence next year, maybe. Yeah, you've got a couple of first-round picks there, package them up, and then away you go. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, like I said, depending on how quickly they want the rebuild process to take, Mm. um, then, yeah, I think, you know, it could well be a prudent move. I'm not usually a big advocate of drafting down, uh, trading down, sorry, not drafting down, trading down, um, but I can certainly see the value in it for a, a franchise that has got a multitude of needs at this stage and certainly, like I say, at the start of the season at least, probably expected to be uh, the ceiling dwellers, um, cellar dwellers either. <laughs> the same dwellers. to the ceiling dwellers. Hopefully. Yeah, it's, getting, it's getting late in the night, mate. Yeah. It's getting late in the night. That, mu- that must mean it's time for us to get out of here, mate. So, um, absolute pleasure having your company tonight, mate. Where can people find your good self on the Twitter and obviously part of the full 10 yards team, but just want to give a plug to the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I tend to work on the fantasy side of things on the full 10 yards, uh, you know, in the full 10 yards team. So touch wood, if we get a normal season, normal off season, we'll have some more content coming to you in the coming months. I'm a personal Twitter account for all abuse about the Panthers that I just said <laughs> is uh, Davey Remixed, D-A-V-I-E, Remixed, or one word, uh, no punctuation in there or anything. Um, been a pleasure. Oh, absolute pleasure, mate. Yeah. Like I said, great to talk some football, mate. I think uh, yeah. the NFC South, one of the um, sort of, again, exciting divisions going into the off-season. Um, like I said, I'm really uh, looking forward to my chat with Murph in a little bit, um, you know, in terms of Tampa. 
Um, and obviously, like you say, the Saints, one of the premier teams, certainly, in the league. So, always good to watch them. And, you know, I didn't probably mention it when we talked about him, but, you know, I'm a huge Drew Brees fan. Um, he's one of the quarterbacks that made me fall in love with the game, really, over the, the course of his career. Um, you know, so, it'd be good to see him go out on a high. Um, so, hopefully, the Saints do indeed have a good season, mate. Don't get my hopes up too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, buddy. Pleasure to talk to you, mate. You stay safe and we'll speak soon. Cheers, you too. Cheers, man. Okay, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons, um, a team that you know, just a few short years ago were competing in the Super Bowl and obviously had a couple of down years since, but looking to return back to postseason contention and to talk all things Falcons. I'm welcoming Jamie to the podcast. Jamie, how are you this evening, mate? Not too bad. How are you? I am doing all right, mate. Thank you. All things considered, not too yeah. bad at all. Um, so yeah, like I alluded to, the Falcons, a team that you know a couple of years ago competing in the Super Bowl, um, obviously being a, you know a couple of down years over the um, the past couple of seasons, but still you know got a fairly decent roster, I would say, as a, you know as a neutral looking at the Falcons from outside to in. Um, talk us through the off season activity that's gone down so far in terms of the free agency moves in and out. Well, I think it's it's been quite interesting. I think it's been a mixed bag. Some some Falcons fans will like some of the moves, and obviously some will hate them. I'm a bit kind of uh, about them, really. Um, the I think the obvious one was the the Falcons were always going to release Devontae Freeman, um, which for me, ah, uh, very indifferent on. I, I'm a massive fan of Freeman and always have been. Um, he's um, just how he runs, his style, how he how he kind of worked in the offense was fantastic. Uh, yes, he was coming off a, an injury. He had a big, got his big contract and then obviously got injured. Um, and the releasing of him was was mainly a financial one because we weren't really didn't didn't really have a huge amount of cap space. Um, Surprisingly, he's still still on the market. Hopefully, he'll land somewhere nice for him and for fantasy. Um, and then, kind of bringing in Gurley, I hate it personally. I, I and so many Falcons fans that I, I I deal with and talk to on Twitter and social media and things, and a lot of them are based in Atlanta, so they are Georgia Bulldog fans. So. Gurley coming in, Gurley's coming home. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. This is going to be brilliant. He's got one leg. For me, yes, it's a one-year contract. It's a team-friendly one-year contract. But I don't see an upgrade for, on Gurley to Freeman. The, the, the O-line last year was awful. We had two, two rookies which we drafted in the first round last year that never, oh, I'm trying to think which one was injured for, was it Nystrom? I think was injured for a fair amount of the season. So we never really got to bed those two in, um, which was which was a shame. But the O-line was just horrendous. I, I think you could have put CMC and Barkley both behind there and they would have struggled to run the ball. <laughs> um, so I think this year the O-line will improve with those the two, two rookies going into their second year. But I would have liked for them to stick with Freeman because I think a fit and healthy Freeman, yes, he's had niggling injuries, 
is a very, very good running back. Very, very good pass-catching running back as well. And Gurley, he's got that, that knee issue which concerns me. I think with the one-year contract, I reckon that they're just going to run him into the ground and see and if by some miracle his knee holds up, then they might give him another year's contract after that. But I think this is a one and done for Gurley. I think they're going to try, try and run him into the ground. I'd be surprised if he plays more than 12, 13 games. I think there'll be games where they have to kind of either rest him or put him on a snap count. And I don't see for the Falcons to be a contender to have a running back like that and then have a backup in. You've got Ito Smith, you've got Kodri Olison. Um, the interesting one for me is Brian Hill. He signed his, uh, I think, restricted tender, one-year tender. I think he's probably going to be the backup. Um, but yeah, it's. I think Gurley's underwhelming. We released Desmond Trufant, um, who played su- surprisingly well last year. Um, and even though our defence was garbage to put it politely um i think releasing him kind of signals that we are going to be picking a cornerback in the first two rounds of this year's draft um and if rumors trade route draft rumors and trade rumors are to be believed the falcons want to trade up which is likely going to be for akuda or Henderson, I don't particularly want us to trade up to the top five to get a Cougar because that's where you're going to have to trade up to. You're going to have to trade up to uh, probably number three to Detroit, and that's going to be a massive, massive move. Um, I think Henderson, there's a small chance you might get him at 16, but I think you might have to move up to 12 or 13, which I'm all for, and Dimitrov loves trading. He doesn't really trade down let's put it that way um i'd love us to trade down in the draft to the back end of the first and then pick up a late second early third to try and fill those needs that we've got yeah no absolutely i think yeah we'll we'll touch on draft in a little bit i'm actually just doing a mock draft and i think i've actually got uh, a corner going to the falcons um, i think it might be henderson actually um i think it is at 16 as well so you'll be pleased with that if that works out but just in terms of other moves in and out mate obviously some movement in and out at tight end um obviously a downgrade but austin Hooper, you know obviously a big sort of free agent signing in cleveland um probably just not going to get that kind of money in atlanta um Dante Fowler coming in, um, he's a player that you know potentially probably hasn't necessarily lived up to his pre-draft hype. Um, you know, but certainly probably had you know a decent couple of seasons over in LA. Um, you excited to see him suiting up, and what do you think uh, that addition can bring to the defense? Definitely need a Ned Rusher. <laughs> um, Vic Beasley promised for one year and then just disappointed, disappointed, and we finally got finally released him which was which was which was good um i think bringing in fowler is a, is a bit of a statement um quinn wanted him i think when fowler was uh, when he was coming into the nfl in, in i can't think what year he came in I, I i think he was one of the two one or two of the players that i wanted us to draft to be honest um he's been good the last couple of years um i think he's gonna bolster 
hugely. He's got a big contract. He's got to earn it um, alongside Tack McKinley. Um, Tack going into his third year. <sighs> Shown glimpses, but is he another big Beasley? I'm concerned about that. But I think Fowler can make an immediate impact um, for us on the, 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 on the defence. And, and Hooper leaving. Um, yes, it's a loss. Um, I do think going to Cleveland, fantasy-wise for him, just is a huge downgrade. Um, and Hurst coming in for us, I wasn't, again, I sound like a miserable gear, which I am. I wasn't exactly, <laughs> and trust me, Jack and Tim will agree with it from the pod. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't excited by Hurst. Um, I think he's underwhelmed in Baltimore. Um, Mark Andrews obviously stole all the limelight and he's coming to coming to the Falcons, I think, is a great spot for Hurst. I just want to see what he showed Baltimore for them to draft him in the first round. I, th- I, th- I immediately think Hurst is a He's a top 10 tight end in fantasy this year just because of the situation he's in. Um, Dirk Cotter loves a tight end. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hurst probably not put up Hooper numbers, but what, 750, 807? And I think maybe eight. Um, I think it'll be interesting. He's a slightly older tight end. He came out later, I think, uh, as an older older prospect, so I think he probably finishes ahead of Hooper in fantasy this year. And it's not and I like Austin Hooper, I just don't like the situation he's gone to. Yeah, well I mean obviously with with myself as a as a Browns fan, it was a need for us. I think Stefanski's gonna run a lot of two tight end sets, but obviously like you say there's plenty of, of other mouths to yeah, feed over there. Got lots of other other mouths to feed and in Joku he's a he's a good tight end. Yeah, if he can stay injury-free, certainly got the athletic yeah. ability. So, yeah, be interesting to see. But let's uh, let's talk Falcons, because right? as soon as we start talking Browns, it all starts bringing back unhappy <laughs> memories for me. So let, let's let's keep talking about the the Falcons. You mentioned there, mate, about the draft, and you know potentially you'd be wanting to be seeing um, a cornerback being brought in, and you know you potentially open to trading up and down. I mean, the Falcons are a team that I've seen a lot of different positions mocked to um, in in various different mocks drafts um, just throughout the course of the draft obviously probably folks on the first round in particular but what um, what sort of positions and what sort of names are you looking for the Falcons to potentially add to the roster uh, it's going to be it's, I think it's one of two it's cornerback and it's probably going to be Henderson or if uh, Dimitrov goes a bit mental like he did with the Julio trade and gives up the farm um, to trade up to get a Cuda. Um, it'll be one of those two or it'll be an edge and if we sit tight I th- I've got us taking Caleb on Chase on from LSU um, I think I, th- I think behind Chase Young he's a number two two ranked edge rusher um, and bringing him in to kind of compete with Tat McKinley and uh, Dante Fowler will, would, would be good it, it's a real area of need so for me it's 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 an edge rusher or a cornerback and I think I wouldn't be surprised if we don't trade up from 16 if we trade up into the back end of the first round like we did last year again um, because Dimitrov's not scared to go after the, per- the, the 
prospect he likes. And him and Quinn, I think they've it's it's an important year for them because if they don't make the playoffs, I think they're both gone. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair share, mate, potentially. Like you say, it has been a couple of years, as we alluded to right at the start of this. Um, so certainly looking to to probably build on that momentum of the second half of last season. Obviously got off to a really slow start, but, uh, you know, pretty think, encouraging finish. Yeah, we won six of eight, I think, in the last, last and but we were one of seven or something like that to start with. So, But uh, I think the, the, the promising thing for me was there was a lot of talk and a lot of Falcons fans, I would say, a majority who wanted Quinn gone. I like Dan Quinn. I think he's a very good coach. I think taking on the defensive duties was was a, was a bad move on his part. Um, and then when we he kind of gave the duties, passed them on, the team played for him. They didn't give up. They could have easily just lost. They went one to seven to start start the year. They could have gone. One and eight, one and nine to finish the year, whatever it will be. But they didn't. They played for him. They they like him and have and. I think that 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 obviously gave him the extra year and, I've got. I'm not going to say high high hopes, but, I don't. The Bucks don't scare me this year. I know they've brought in Gronk. I know they've brought in Brady, but, I think. The Falcons and the Saints were the two teams to battle out this year at the top of the uh, NFC South. Interesting take, mate. Interesting take. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, I've, I've enjoyed recording this series of podcasts because, as I've said to everybody, we, we all get behind our own teams and, and absolutely that's the right thing to do. And at this stage of the year, we're all 0-0. So we've all got as much chance as each other. Oh, yes. Why not the Falcons, mate? Indeed, I like Dan Quinn as well, personally. I think really good head coach. I agree with everything that you've just said there as well. And, you know, it's been a frustration to me over the last few years watching the Browns. We've had head coaches being brought in who decide that they can, you know, be a first-time head coach and the offensive coordinator. And it just doesn't work. The head coach needs to be the head coach, doesn't it? And don't be proven. Yeah, yeah, you've got to just stick to the one job. Don't don't kind of deviate. Your, your job is to run the team, to motivate the team, to come up with what needs to be done. Uh, I think... During the season on on the pod, we talked about Dan Quinn and I got a lot of ribbing about his going. But I, I stand by this: if the Falcons sacked Dan Quinn, he would have had a job in two weeks as a head coach somewhere else, and, and that just shows that he's a good head coach to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like I say, I think he's one of the better ones in the league, and you know, hopefully they uh, have a decent season this year. And any talk of him being moved on from doesn't reignite, mate. Um, You've touched a little bit already throughout the conversation about some fantasy outlooks for a couple of players. Um, if we're going to be drafting Falcons, where do you think we'll be looking, mate? Obviously, Julio is always good for his numbers, but uh, you know where else might we be looking on the Falcons team? Do you think? Well, well, yeah, as you said, Julio. Julio's a he's top five at worst in in wide receiver wise. Just looking at his scoring, it's something I uh, end of season. It's like six three two four six two, whatever it will be. He's he's a lock. Um, Calvin Ridley um, has. I saw something interesting where someone said Calvin Ridley had been a bust, a first round bust, which I thought was quite interesting. Seeing as he scored eighteen touchdowns or seventeen <laughs> touchdowns in two years, yeah, eight hundred and fifty odd yards in both. I think. Third year, no Austin Hooper. Calvin Ridley is 
he's not going to overtake what Julio does because Julio is Julio, but I think he's going to make another step forward. He's a he's an interesting player to to, to target. Um, I, Hayden Hurst, I think, is a great late round tight end. Um, I think a lot of people are just going to be totally sleeping on him, and I think you can grab him slightly later than you would, obviously, a Hooper. Um, and I, I, I've Hurst outperforming Hooper. Um, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's a... It, I, I'm a massive fan of him, but yeah, that's a home, home take, but the Falcons are a passing team. And Matt Ryan is a consistent 25, 30 touchdown, four and a half thousand yards, maybe 5,000 yards. If you look at last year, um, Ryan missed one game and against Seattle, whose defence was horrendous like ours, and Matt Schall threw for 580 yards. And if you add that to, to Ryan's 4,466, and you're looking at another 5,000-yard season, yes, 14 interceptions and 30-yard touchdowns, but I think you'll get Ryan later than people like Wentz. Um, and... Well, you've got the Kyler Murrays and the, the Watsons and the Mahomes and all that. But I think Matt, Matt Ryan is a, is a solid a 7 to 11 quarterback where you can't go wrong. You know what you're going to get from him. He's not flashy. He's not going to give you rushing yards, but he will put points on the board every single week. Yeah, and no, I've seen him. I had him pegged as my uh, passing leader at the start of last season when we did our bowl predictions. And like you say, he's, he's going to be there or thereabouts again certainly if Calvin yeah. Ridley's a first round bust by the way mate sign me up for a few of those because Jesus Christ what do people want from a first oh, year wide I receiver think, I think this I think what I saw was Calvin Ridley was in a list of first round busts but Kenny Britt wasn't oh my god I've seen something Kenny like Britt that, play yeah. I've seen Kenny Britt play that's <laughs> enough said mate that's more than enough said <laughs> um You've said that the Bucks don't scare you, mate. Obviously, you said the Saints will be the team that you think that the Falcons will be battling out with, just in terms of the betting. Um, talk about the bookies jumping on the bandwagon. The price of the Bucks is just absolutely crazy in this division. Uh, the Saints are just a shade of odds on in most places, 10 to 11. The Bucks then come in at 8-5. to five which I just think is absolutely crazy. Falcons at 6-1, to one, mate. So I'm, I'm imagining you'd be quite tempted at that, 6-1 to one for the division. 6-1 six to, six to one for a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago who's um, replaced their running back. They've got the, the offensive line is going to be improved, the defence hopefully as well. 6-1 to one is... It's it's so worth a punt whether or not you believe the Falcons will will win it or not. If you, even if you're a Saints fan, I still chuck ten twenty quid on it. It's six to one. It's uh, you'll find you'll find worse teams with better, with worse odds to win their division than the Falcons. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with that, mate. This will make you chuckle as well, mate. In terms of the Super Bowl, the books are thirteen to one and the Falcons are forty to one. So there you go. <laughs> Do you know what? The last time I believe the Falcons are forty to one is the Super Bowl season, and I got them at forties at the start of the season, and uh, I was basically counting my money sitting in a bar in Seattle watching the Super Bowl <laughs> at halftime. But there was—I I remember with a couple of other Falcons fans who were there as well. I think they lived in Seattle at the time, um, and we were all saying, "This is the Falcons. This game is not over." <laughs> oh, and how it wasn't. <laughs> 
Indeed, mate, indeed. Just that, just that one time in your life you wished you were absolutely wrong, but unfortunately we're very right, my friend, unfortunately. Yeah, the, Fal- the Falcons will Falcon. <laughs> uh, talking of the Falcons, Falconing, just quickly before we finish your reaction to the jerseys, not uh, hit home with everybody. You might not give a toss, mate, but just get your opinion on them. Uh, the jerseys, I quite like them. I, I'm not the kind of person that buys jerseys. I don't buy jerseys and, and wear them. It's just... I think I've got one jersey from 15 years ago. It's a Michael Vick jersey, and it sits in my in my closet. But I don't hate it. I don't see what there's. The, I don't see what the hate is about them. Um, they're fine. It's a jersey. If you don't like it, don't buy it. If you do, then buy it. I don't. I don't see the huge kind of hate or love about them. They're all right. They're not what the Bucks jerseys were before they changed them. Horrendous. I quite like the ATL on him. Um, I don't hate the numbers. I love the all black, and and the all and the all white looks good. Unfortunately, not as good as the Chargers jerseys that came out. No, the Chargers do still still seem to win the best jerseys competition, don't they? It's got to be said. I, I for the record, quite like the Atlanta ones as well, mate. It's got to be said. I thought they were pretty cool, particularly the black one, like you said, the bit of the throwback one was really Yeah, good. yeah. I think they'll try and wear that a little bit more often. Yeah, absolutely. Right, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you about all things Falcons. We obviously had Jack on this series earlier on, but give you the opportunity, mate, to plug the work that you guys do and obviously where people can find you on social media to interact. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, which is at Jamie underscore Byram, B-Y-R-O-M-K-M. Um, and our Twitter handle for the Kickers Matter pod is kickers underscore matter. Website, kickersmatterfantasyfootball.co.uk. Don't know the Instagram. Um, that'll probably be on our Twitter, <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, and uh, we're on YouTube as well. So uh, just search Kickers Matter Fantasy Football. And I think kind of after the draft, we'll have a couple of little short videos on landing spots, which we, we like and we don't like and so on from there. So, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. And hopefully the season is played. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Well, that is the big question overall, isn't it? So fingers crossed that it does. Uh, keep up the good work over there, mate. Always a pleasure to chat. Let's keep this NFL UK community together and talking in these strange times. But uh, for now, mate, you stay safe. You and we'll speak again post-draft, mate. Cheers for your company. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Take care. Yeah, some things are just meant to be, aren't they? I never had any particular set order in which I was going to record these conversations, but it just so happens that today I had lined up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fresh off the news of a certain player coming out of retirement last night. So I'm delighted to be joined by Murph and Five Yard Rush to talk all things books. How you doing, mate? Oh, good good to be on for this. I know we talked about it for a while. And uh, yeah, this this was planned in uh, early, well late last week to, to do it today and... Uh, the news waking up this morning is just uh, mental. I can't use any other word. This is just, it's, it's the stuff that, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have been a fan of the Buccaneers, watched us win a Super Bowl live, seen a good team, and then gone through 12 years of absolute dribble. So to to start to, it's just exciting again. And with everything going on, I think it magnifies it by, by 10, by 50. I'll give you an idea. I woke up this morning, Sean, there were 457 WhatsApp messages. I went to bed at midnight. <laughs> I woke up at six. So between midnight and six, I had 457 WhatsApp messages on my phone, just purely from 
there's a Bucks group I'm in. There's a lot of NFL fans I know. There's people in America who are messaging me. People I, I haven't heard from in months. Even didn't message me when Brady signed. Heard about Gronk and we're like, this is incredible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I never want to win the off-season tag and, and win that prize. You you should know from last season with, with OBJ, I think you'll have some relation to how I'm feeling right now. But I just think it's it's just amazing to get these world-class players. That we're talking about proper proper Hall of Fame players and whether Gronk plays six snaps or, or or 600 this year I don't really like I don't overly care we're not paid that much just to have him associated with the team is, is just a massive lift it's just all of a sudden everything from last season everything's just all forgotten you had Brady and it just changes the whole culture dimension of everything for a fourth round comp pick that we got because we let Quan Alexander go because they the 49ers overpaid him and now they can't get rid of him I'm alright with that <laughs> I just don't, I'm alright with it I, don't, I, don't, I made my piece of it, it's not a problem for me, uh, you know people saying, that, oh fourth round pick, it's amazing yeah I mean what, just to even have Gronk for one year is incredible yeah, and I'm sure he's still got plenty left in the tank. I think it was one of those, you're going to cast your mind back a couple of years and the people were a little bit disappointed and almost surprised when he did retire. So I certainly think there's probably some tread left on the tyre, so to speak. But um, it's probably a shame you're not on hard knocks this year, mate, because you could have made several episodes um, and probably a bit more of an exciting series than it was a few years back. But Wow. I think NFL films, if they don't put the Buccaneers on all or nothing, they've missed a the trick. Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I mean, I can't see why you would go in any other direction. I, I kind of thought the Browns should have been on all or nothing last year uh, and they went with the Eagles. <laughs> nothing against the Eagles franchise. I mean, like the Eagles are, you know, they made the playoffs. It, it, it was a good series, but it was a, uh, it lacked a little bit. I think of all the all or nothings for me, it, it was probably a bit meh. Um, and I would like to see the Browns of all what was going on behind the scenes, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, even though it didn't work out, I still think that would have been a more interesting story to see why yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but I think, Absolutely. I think the, I think the NFL films have just got to get the Buccaneers on, on all or nothing. Cause why would you want to watch anything else? Absolutely. Mate. Absolutely. Or the Patriots just at how bad it is. That could be the only other alternative. Yeah, well, they're on about extending hard knocks, but maybe we should have a two-party. It's almost like you say, the uh, the new um, uh, version of the Patriots and the the one that's been left behind, isn't it? So, talk us through it then, mate, in terms of the big one, Tom Brady. Obviously, you know, we, we've talked about Gronk. That's obviously the big breaking news overnight, but Tom Brady's obviously the, um, the big one that sort of set the ball rolling. Um, I went on record on this podcast of saying I would be very surprised if he didn't either retire or end up back at New England. Obviously, he's had other ideas and has found his, his new home in Tampa. Um, I know it's been a few weeks now. You've had time to digest that one. Um, talk us through, from your perspective, what your feelings are on the move itself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I never thought it would happen. People were linking him to the Bucks, and I just was like, Pfft. It, it would be New England, and I was pretty sure I was with you. I didn't think retirement. I didn't. I didn't think. I thought he'd, be, he'd just go back to New England, and I thought worst case scenario, he, he turns up in in LA, because why? Why wouldn't he? he's got a production company out there? It's kind of like they're a Hollywood couple. Him and Giselle, I just couldn't really see it being Tampa, not for anything other than financial. I just didn't think it it made. Uh, 
Oh, sense obviously he's come out and spoken about why and it's his desire to to win and he, he feels that opportunity is with Tampa and he also wants to still be on have the opportunity to go and see his son in New York and family roots all kind of uh, tie into this so makes a lot of sense um I, I think with as well with with Brady, there's there's two parts to this. The first is for Brady; he's going to be given a lot of control, and I think you're starting to see that already. I I don't think Brady went as far to um, order the Bucks to go and get Gronk, but I definitely think he had a hand in it. I mean, it'd be silly not to think that. I think he's definitely suggested it or said, "I've had a combo with Gronk. He'd come out and play for us if you want him." Um, I you know I I definitely know he would come and play for us. If, if we wanted to get him, I, I know we could get him. Mm-hmm. And it's just even all the free agents, it's just everybody now, Tampa's now a cool place to go and it never has been. Cam, Tampa's been a place you go and retire because there's no income tax. It's where you go and get your last payday. And a lot of players have come here in the last 12 years and taken a paycheck um, because it was the easy thing to do. I'm not bothered about winning. I just want to get one last, one last good paycheck before I retire and, you know, the Buccaneers have made some splashes in free agencies and people have run out of town with a lot of money that they probably didn't earn. So, you know, the cap situation, 25 million guaranteed two years. I don't think that's horrendous for what, for what he is. Um, if you read the book Caponomics by uh, Zach Moore, uh, he talks about if you have an elite player and you're keeping him at quarterback and you're keeping him under 13% of the cap, then that's kind of the ideal to, to build your 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 cap structure and he comes in just a nudge under 13%. So I don't think the cap's an issue. I don't think he's being overpaid. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's being underpaid either given his age. I think it, it factors in he's, he's not the $35 million player. And I'm not naive enough to think that this is the Tom Brady of uh, eight, 10 years ago, or even six years ago and uh, his MVP years. But what he does bring to the Buccaneers is, is leadership. It, it's a mentality thing. And, I, I I was on record. I wanted Dirk Cutter fired um, before he was fired. Then they kept him on miraculously. And then when he was fired, because there was no leadership, there was no cohesion. This the the culture of the dressing room was an absolute disgrace. I remember the the game against Washington, where we put up 500 yards of offense and we lost 15 points to three. Um, and the guys came out oh, in the dressing room or locker room afterwards and started playing ping pong and having a laugh. And Jason Pierre-Paul came and said, well, what is all this about? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Are you not even embarrassed by this? Like, this yeah. is a disgrace. And, and that was the culture. There wasn't any uh, dirt cutter for all the play calling good that he, he, he did. And I, I don't doubt his playbook. I don't doubt his schemes. I don't doubt that there's some good qualities. I question his man-to-man coaching and just his development of players. He just didn't develop any players. None of the players really took a huge step in a, in a positive direction. You could argue maybe O.J. Howard, but I'm not even that sure that he's really been yeah. as, as good as we thought he would be being a, a first-round draft pick. Um, so you bring in Arians, you bring in a whole new coaching staff, and that whole business was culture and accountability to change everything. They cut a first-round draft pick in Vernon Hargraves mid-season because the guy just didn't buy in. Gone. See you later. Don't care you're a first-round pick. Don't care that we've got to pay you a little bit of money to go. You're out of here. 
because you're more dangerous here than than not being here. Yeah, and that's that's what the dressing room has been has been really really lacking. It's just that accountability that actually things aren't good enough. It's why the Buccaneers. It would have been a really easy choice to re-sign Jameis. Um, I like Jameis. I still believe that. I personally believe that if Jameis had returned, I think he would have been the MVP of the league this year because I felt we had really nowhere to go but up. And in terms of the interceptions would have come down. He was the passing leader. It was all scripted for him to, to work out. But they've made a tough decision that, that those interceptions down the stretch, they wrote off the first half of the season, said he's learning a scheme, he's learning the book. It's a difficult book to learn. We expect turnovers, we expect all of this. And then he had that spate between week eight, week nine, and week 13, where he was very, very good. And I think he played himself into a contract. And in those last th- probably three weeks, he played himself right out of it again. And I think yeah. that was that was when they decided. They were like, we can't, we've, we've cut other people, we can't allow for this to happen. Yeah. And so with that, um, I think you end up with bringing in someone who is now people look at this as a very short-term situation and actually it's more it's bigger than that yes you've got this window that you have to you have to do it now and you have to win now but actually it's setting up for the next five years yeah and I think you're paving the way and you're bringing in the winningest quarterback in in football history who's won more rings who's won more accolades than than, than any other quarterback and you're setting a standard now. And that standard is going to go to these new guys and these young guys and all these, the coaching staff and to everybody. I think there's a succession plan on the coaching side, whether it's Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich. You've got uh, players that this isn't just a short term all in. This is a, yeah, we're okay. We're all in, but actually we're building a bigger, a bigger culture. Yeah. And I think um, that's what this signing is. I think it's, it's just a, this is the line in the sand. Now we're here to win and we're here to win now. But yeah. we're also here to build on that. Yeah, and I think just touching on that thing that you said there about culture, I think there's no surprise in terms of looking at some of the players that have re-signed in terms of the likes of Sue, J- JPP that you mentioned earlier as one of the guys that's got that veteran presence in the locker room. Um, obviously, Shaq Barrett franchise tagged. I think that was probably expected. Obviously, a breakout season. It was always going to be a risk to pay him big money. Um, essentially, you said to him, go and prove it again, and then we'll reevaluate in 12 months. So, building a really nice core to build around there, aren't you? And not too many outgoings, to be fair, bringing a lot of the players back that were on the roster last year. Yeah, I think I think for me, the only loss is, is Carl Nassib. I, I really like him. I think he's a, a good workhorse, good locker room guy. We saw that in Hard Knocks, and you, you know him from, from Cleveland. I, I really like him. Um, was a little disappointed he left. Everybody else, I'm, I'm not overly... Um, fast. Uh, anybody that was cut or let go, they were just sort of uh, additions. Uh, Prashar Perriman, I'm, I'm not sold. Um, he always seems to turn up right at the end of a season, right before a payday. Um, good. He didn't do it for the first 40. I was advocating him to be cut, so we got another competitor, uh, comp pick. So uh, I'm not overly fussed with him. And I, I think Barrett, I think a deal gets done. Um, I think they're just mm. they're not quite sure where it goes. Yeah. Um, and I think they had other priorities as we're now seeing. But I think a deal gets done with Barrett. He wants to stay. The, the franchise warned him. I don't think anyone's bothered. on, And I don't. his sack numbers are going to go down because he's going to get more attention. There's more tape on him than there ever was. Yeah. People thinking he's going to go and do 19 and a half sacks again. It's, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's going to be... Um, he'd be lucky to get 10-11. But 
given what you've got there and all those weapons with JPP, you know, you got 10 sacks last year. He didn't even play 12 games. You've got Sue, who's a quiet, assuming leader who just leads by example. You've got the best run defense in the NFL in Sue and, and Bayer. Bayer, for me, is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think keeping that core together was, and, and to be fair, Arians and everybody came out and said that that was the key. This yeah. is what we're going to be doing over the next, uh, over this offseason. We're going to keep all those guys. And they, they made that the priority, not Winston, not the quarterback situation. So to fix the quarterback situation with what they did behind go, door number two, as they uh, kept quoting, <laughs> um, and to get all those guys back, um, it, it's a really positive sign that a lot of people have bought into this culture. Um, yeah. And you, you see things like Godwin giving up his number, uh, no questions asked. Uh, no wanting of anything in return. That that's the that's what as a fan of a of a team. That's what you want to see is everybody in it together. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure Gronk will be ending up with number eighty seven as well at some point, won't he? Uh, yeah, Jordan Leggett might might not kick up too much fuss about that. <laughs> no. like, you know, given the fact that he's not he's not really made the roster in any years, so um, I think he'll end up with with eighty seven, and that'll be fine. Uh, sure I don't think they're done in, in free agency. I still expect a safety to come in um a lot of people talking about the cornerback room i don't think they're going to invest too much in there maybe if there's a nice veteran one year piece they might do it but um i think they really like what they've got a corner and with what we saw in the last sort of five six games showed that uh, that, that those guys are really gelling and given a chance they 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 can do it they can do a job out there um I think there's a lot of a lot of really good pieces on this roster. I still think they need to sort out a few areas in the draft, um, but I don't think they need to do too much in free agency now. Maybe it's, I'd like a veteran safety to come in. Yeah, we'll move on to the draft very shortly, mate. Just before we move on to that, though, just obviously the big outgoing James Winston. I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm a, I'm a fan of his, um, and I certainly think he's going to fall into that category of. For me, he's, he's certainly one of the best 32 quarterbacks that would be available and start day one. He's finding himself in a situation there without a home. He's definitely one of the best 64. He's not one of the best 32. So it's almost crazy that he's not on a roster. Um, it may well be that he has to wait around for an injury to occur in, in a training camp. Fingers crossed that we get training camps and all of that kind of thing. But where, what do you see as next for Jameis? I don't think he necessarily has to wait that long. I think they need to see what happens with the draft. And I think he's wise to wait because his value will, will be higher post-draft than it is now um there's a few options for him i do i think he has a job next year 100 percent. i think he's on a roster do i think he starts immediately i don't know depends where he goes there's a few places for me that make sense for me if uh, the charges don't address the situation and get a two or a herbert for me that's a an instant day one upgrade on on tyrod i've got nothing against tyrod Taylor. i think he's a good player but i think given how that offense was set up last year with a gunslinger james winston's as close as you're going to get to phil rivers in this league so i don't know why you wouldn't just yeah. go again yeah. why, why, yeah. why change your entire offense for a non-franchise qb it doesn't make any sense tyrod's not going to sell many seats in that new stadium is he let's be honest no, and, and, and on top of that, it's just, again, the way that the, the, the scheme is last year. You were reasonably successful with that. You just had too many turnovers. And I know Winston, the turnovers, he's the king of them. But um, the defence, I don't think, played as well as he could have done last year for the Chargers. So I think that would make some sense. Um, the Patriots, obviously, if they don't move up and move around this draft and pick up a, a quarterback, uh, do I think he's better than Jared Stenton? Yeah, he's got a passing title. So 
Uh, and if anyone's going to coach those errors out of him, I mean, we thought there'd be Arians, but maybe Bill Belichick might be the guy to, to coach some of those errors out of him. Um, I like Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not sure on the durability of Ben. I think Ben Roethlisberger could play a season. He might not. Um, I think he's far better than Devlin Hodges <laughs> and everyone else they've got on that roster. So yeah. I think that's another place. I think those are three landing spots for Winston that make for me a ton of sense. Um, there's probably a few more, but uh, yeah, I think he he's going to have a role in this league. I think yeah. he needs to take stock. I think he needs to drop that ego a little bit. He's too much of a, I'll just do it all kind of thing. And mm. he needs to knock that on the head a little bit. Yeah, I think in a roundabout way, it could actually be the thing that is the catalyst for him, the fact that he hasn't been sort of re-signed in Tampa. Like you say, it may well be that sort of attitude adjustment that's needed. It, it terrifies me the thought of him being in Pittsburgh, to be honest, because um, obviously that would be a divisional rival for the Browns. And like you say, you would think that naturally the interceptions will would come down throughout the course of his career. Um, it does make a lot of sense, as we say. And uh, I'm with you. I'm not sure about Big Ben at all, to be honest. He looked... Um, he looked less than mobile, um, you know, when he was still playing and obviously, you know, another sort of 12 months out now. Um, so we'll wait and see. Let's get back to the books though, mate. That's what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about the draft. Um, you said there's still a few pieces that you might want to add some veteran presence, but obviously slated at the minute, pick number 14, I believe, in the first round. Um, you know, if I gave you the cards on draft night, what would be an ideal scenario for you on draft day? It'd be one of the four offensive tackles. Um, I would rank them. For me, for what the Buccaneers need, I'd rank them at Thomas at one. Um, I'd rank them Worths at two, Beckton at three, and Wills at four. And I have nothing against Wills. I actually think Wills is an excellent player. Um, and I have less concerns about him at left tackle than others do. But um, just I think, uh, just from my personal rankings, uh, that's kind of how I would do it. I just think to- Thomas is the safest bet. And I think for what the Buccaneers need right now. He's played the most games at left tackle. Um, you, I think he'd start right tackle this year and then maybe with Donovan Smith next year. I can't see him staying on this roster too long. Um, I think they can cut him for no financial penalty next year, move him to the left side of the line. I think that's kind of how I would see Thomas working. Uh, Worth's the same. I don't think Worth's is going to be there at 14 either way. I don't think Wills is either going to be. Beckton's the interesting one with the failed drugs test. 60 days now, he's kind of um, sitting in the bin. Not that that's going to affect anything. Um, I think the big question will be, why did you do it before the combine? It's just silly. Um, he's not flagged for any other test before. Now you can question whether he's been religiously tested or, or whether it's been covered up. I don't really know, and I'm not going to really speculate all that much. But I think um, there'll be some conversations to be had, but the guy is a freak athlete. I think he now, with that news, will be there at 14. Um, And I think if you're the Buccaneers, I think unless your reservations are on character, and if that's the case, I get it, and you move on, um, I think you've got to take him. Um, Because I just think he... He's going to demand a lot of attention. He's six foot seven. He's huge. He's going to just disrupt. He's a bit raw, but I think if you're going to be raw having a 42-year-old three-time NFL MVP, six-time Super Bowl ringer who's been there and done it all and, and knows what he's looking at in front of him, he'll cover up a lot of those mistakes and won't tank his confidence. And I think that's key. Um, whereas I think if Beckton landed, say, in Miami uh, with a rookie quarterback protecting, I think that could be a real situation where that wouldn't work out well. So 
um, I think it, that would be a good landing spot for him, and I think it would be a good landing spot for the Bucks. So that's kind of what I would be looking for. But if, if Thomas was still there at 14, that's the guy I would take. Uh, but if not, I'd be very happy with, with Beckton. Yeah, I think, like you say, there's, there's obviously a few offensive tackle needy teams. It's quite interesting at the top of the draft, isn't it? Because you, you've pretty much got two or three that you think are pretty much set for quarterback. You've then got two or three that you think are pretty much set for wide receiver and then pretty much the same for offensive tackle. So it's going to be interesting to see who holds the nerve and see if there's any moving and shaking. Um, I've seen Josh Jones mocked to um, the books in a few drafts where they've sort of traded down. You're shaking your head in disgust. You're the same as me. I hate trading down in drafts. but um, I don't mind trading down. That's just not the guy I trade down for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's better tackles. I think Austin Jackson, I think Ezra Cleveland are two immediately to jump out to be better than me. Jones is very raw, very mm-hmm. raw. Um, bit too raw for my liking. Um, yeah. I think he could be a very good player. I think he has a good ceiling, but uh, Jones is not a player I'm I'm too keen on. Um, I would rather, you know, if if it got to the point where we're at, we're at fourteen, he tackles off the board. Kinlaw's still there. I'll take Kinlaw on the defensive yeah. line. Um, I think there's 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 options there. Um, I also think you can trade down in that situation. I don't have a problem with it. But then go and get something good. Go get an edge rusher. Um, you can always you can't have enough edge rushers. Um, yeah. There's positions you can get. No, I agree, mate. I agree. I think like I say, it's interesting, isn't it? It's been all the talk about the big four tackles. A lot you've mentioned, Beckton's failed test, and probably just because we're getting close to draft, and all of a sudden everybody's quite happy with his second tier of tackles, and <laughs> all of a sudden all these names are popping up. I've seen, I've seen Ezra Cleveland to Cleveland in mock drafts. That's got to happen, hasn't it? Cleveland <laughs> in Cleveland. Um, other positions then, mate. Running back's obviously one that um, keeps jumping out. You probably don't want to spend too high in the draft, but I'm assuming, you know, with the other plethora of picks across the three days, what other positions would you be looking for? Not necessarily players, mate, lower down, unless you've got some names in particular you've got your eye on. Yeah, no, I've got a few. I, I, I definitely like um, running back in round two if you can get one of the big three. So the big three for me being Jonathan Taylor, who's my personal favourite, uh, DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins. If you can get any of those three in round two, I think you do it. Um, if not, I'm quite happy to wait until round three and get a Cam Akers, a Clive Edwards, Um There's a few in there that you can you could potentially go uh, and look at. AJ Dillon, for example, there's a few. Now, I don't think that these guys are going to come in and be um, the sole back. I think they really like Rojo. They really like what he did last year and think that he is on a route to progression. And I think that it would be a complimentary system rojo would do the hard yards on the ground um and i think that this back would come in and handle the ball uh, make some plays be a bit of a, a gadget player maybe line up at receiver and create some options uh, and be versatile almost like a, a james white in uh in new england for example i think that's how you would see a back coming in so i think if you can get one of those three at, at 45 that would be a, a really good move um if not, really depends on what you've got at 14. If you've taken a tackle, um, I'm all for going in and, and looking at um, a few different positions, interior offensive line. I still think you that, that line probably needs two players. I know we just signed Joe Haig in free agency, who's um, a bit of a, uh, a kind of a fill-in uh, sort of depth player. Um, I've got no problem taking another... Um, I've got no problem taking a guard. Um, you know, you've got a few players in there who are sort of rotating, but no one's really made right guard their own. So, um, you know, if you can get a, 
they're talking about players like Ruiz might be there. He might go in the first round. Um, maybe Cushenberry might be there. They're the sorts of players that you could look at and go, yeah, I'd, I'd be quite happy to to take those players there. Um, as we're going through later in the draft, I think the positions I would be looking for are, I think if you haven't addressed safety, you probably need to. I'm not overly keen on a, a rookie safety for a situation that's not going. I mean, it needs experience, that position. Um, people are talking about cornerback. I can't see them taking another cornerback. They've taken, I think, five in the last three drafts. So they don't need any more um, young guys. They, the experienced guy to sign in the second wave of free agency, which has been delayed due to COVID, I, I think fine. Um, I think you obviously now lose the comp pick. That's gone to the Patriots. Um, so, but it does mean they've now got a seven, which they didn't have. I definitely see them taking a wide receiver in this, probably with that fourth pick, maybe even the fifth round pick. I see them taking someone who um, is going to be a, a field stretcher. They took Scotty Miller last year. I don't think that's quite gone the way they would have hoped. I don't think they've written him off, but I do think that there's room to have a field stretcher there. Um, so it is a few... A few positions there. I mean, the way I, I look at going, my dream draft scenario would be offensive tackle, one of those big three running backs at, at 45 in the second. Um, I would then be looking at interior offensive line in the third round. Um, in that fourth round, fine to take a, a wide receiver if, if one of the really good field stretches is still there. Um, and then I'd be looking in the later rounds, I'd be looking at definitely either safety if that hasn't already been addressed. Um, I I don't even mind taking someone like Anthony Gordon at quarterback and having him compete with Blaine Gabbert for the third the third role. And although they've just paid Gabbert, I don't know how much they can potentially get away from that contract. Um, or even stick him on practice squad who, if they draft Gordon for a year uh, and take a developmental guy. I think you've got to have one look at quarterback. For me, in round three, if Jake Fromm is still there, which I don't think he will, but if he was, that would interest me around three. I really like Fromm. Um, the question marks on whether he can do it at the next level, but if you're ever going to learn from a guy, then that's definitely uh, Tom Brady's your guy. So there's a lot of uh, options. In the later rounds of the draft, yeah, if we can just fill up a on trench players, I wouldn't mind another interior defensive lineman. I wouldn't mind uh, potentially another late round edge rush. Take a take a take a jolt on that. Um, that that's kind of what I'm I'm thinking. Uh, the, the one position I'm sure we won't take is, is tight end because I think we've got the deepest tight end room of probably all time now. Yeah, you're pretty strong at tight end, mate. It's got to be said. Um, obviously, not long to wait now, um, or potentially, if you're listening to this on Friday, maybe that first round has already been concluded and you'll already know exactly what the books have done. Let's move um, way too early, as we have kept saying, mate. But obviously, as a fantasy expert in your own right, um, obviously, there's going to be plenty of weapons to potentially pick up here with Tampa. So just give us one um, that you think is a surefire slam dunk and one that potentially is going to be a little bit of value for adding um, in the later rounds of a draft? Sure. Uh, I, I, you can't go wrong with Ovin, uh, Evans and, and, and Godwin. The scaremonger tactics on, on Evans is ridiculous. Oh, I'm not going to take Evans now. Brady's there. The guy's had six 1,000-yard seasons and he's had you know, James Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's had uh, people throwing him. Uh, Tom Brady can throw the ball. Don't, don't worry about Evans. He'll, he'll bank you another 1,000-yard season and Godwin will be absolutely just fine. Um, Brady himself, 
I think can be a very low end QB one. I'm I haven't done my rankings yet, but I imagine he'll be somewhere in that ten to thirteen range. Um, I can't see him being uh, much higher or much lower than that. But there's there's something about that being quite safe. Gronk will probably be overdrafted now. Um, he's probably someone I would stay away from if you're getting him late, tenth round maybe. Then I, you know, fine, uh, definitely worth the punt. Um, I see him going probably in the fifth or sixth rounds now, and that's probably a little bit high for me. Um, so I probably would stay away. There is still durability issues there after all. Yeah. Uh, late round flies. I was saying Cameron Brake before Gronk signed because um, I actually thought he would get the red zone work and Howard wouldn't get that. So uh, that's probably slightly out the window now if Gronk is there. Although if Gronk is injured, then Brake is definitely a good, uh, a good option for a very late round free tight end. You'll probably get in the last round. People just don't think he's going to do anything. Um, he definitely will. Um, so with the Buccaneers, it's hard because, especially with, I mean, Ro, Rojo, I think, will get some work. Though I think he's he's got that home run ability. He's someone in the best ball I would definitely look at getting late because he, he, he'll break, he can break off 80-yard runs. Uh, he can do it with the line right, and the, the line opens up those gaps. He, he, have, he can definitely do it, and there's faith in this team, depending on where the new running back goes. And, I mean, that'll be interesting. I think it is going to be a bit of a committee. So, it's funny, in, there's not really a late-round flyer uh, unless it might be the new third wide receiver. Um, yeah. If they don't take one or invest highly on one, maybe Scotty Miller or Justin Watson could be someone I would just have a little cheeky ad. And if you're playing Dynasty and your waivers are open, just add them because you can always cut them in a week's time if, uh, if they draft someone a bit higher. Um, they would be probably my sneaky late-round ads at this stage, way too early. Way too early, mate. Absolutely. That's the total of these podcasts. Obviously, we'll probably talk about it again much closer to the start of the season. Just before I let you go, then, mate, let's have a quick look at the betting odds, probably reflection of the off-season that you have had. Um, Saints are still the divisional favourites. No surprise there. Just a shade of odds on at 10 to 11. Bucks then next best price. And it's the price that is staggering for me. When you consider where they, where they were at the end of last season, eight to five to win the division. Um, so real confidence from the bookmakers that Tampa are going to have a good shot at it. Falcons six to one, Panthers 11 to one. Um, certainly the Panthers more in rebuild mode, you would suggest. But eight to five, mate, does that uh, tickle your fancy? Uh, not at this stage, I think. Um... I, th- I think you've got to factor in a shortened off season and a lot of players aren't going to be uh, fully up to speed early on in the season. I think there's going to be some losses or um, some definite sort of schedule-ish uh, situations that I think it's going to take half a season for this team to get firing. Um, I do fancy us to make the playoffs. I do fancy us to get into the wild card, but I think the Saints are there. They haven't had to do too much. They haven't lost anyone significant. They haven't you know, they, they've kept everything pretty much intact. They've added Emmanuel Sanders just for a bit of an extra flair. Um, I think you have to make them favourites because they absolutely walked the division last year. They, yeah. they won it by like five games, maybe six. Um, so I think anyone that thinks that Tampa just with these two editions or three editions have, have closed that gap is they have closed it, but I don't think they've, 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 they've made up six games. Um, I think you're looking at a, a nine, 10 win total at this stage. Um talk to me at the end of the draft and with a full training camp maybe things might change but I'd be casually setting the the expectations to be nine wins and to sneak in at anywhere from that five to seven range in the playoffs 
Yeah, well, if you do make the playoffs, mate, fifth favourites at the minute for the Super Bowl. So probably just repeat everything we've just said. <laughs> probably a lot of early optimism, but 13 to 1 best price for the Super Bowl at the minute. Um, like I say, a reflection of the off-season. We haven't even talked about the uniforms either, mate. Those lovely new uniforms. Oh, the uniforms are great. Um, the red is a, is a bit of a throwback to uh, the Super Bowl era. They're slightly lighter, but they have all those classic looks with the new logo. The pewter is amazing. I've already pre-ordered my Brady uh, pewter jersey because I just love that. I just, it just is, is so class. I'm not a big fan of white uniforms, never have been. Um, but they look clean, they're certainly better than Atlanta's and a few other teams that uh, have put them out. So, um, happy with the jerseys. Uh, definitely, they didn't drop the ball, which is good. Uh, I know there's a few teams that, that certainly have and uh, made at least some changes. But all our fans, we didn't want the jerseys to change six years ago. So effectively, we got our wish and we kind of reverted back, but with a bit of a refresh. So yeah. uh, I don't think any of those are bad. And maybe in a year's time, we might see some creamsicle on those uh, on those uh, colour rush jerseys when uh, they change the helmet rules. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Ditto on the uniforms. I know exactly what you're talking about, my friend. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Like Cleveland and Cleveland Tampa are very similar in the sense of both long runs without playoffs, both uh, you know, constantly having to change things to adapt. Both have made really big moves to try and change the culture uh, and, and to try and win now. And, you know, they've got about it two very different ways. Um, I guess for me, I just like the fact that the Buccaneers went down the experienced route. And yes, it shortens your window. And yes, it, it massively raises the expectations. But, you know, we get one prime time a game a year over the last three years. I guarantee you we'll be on TV, what, six to eight times this year. We'll be nationally relevant for the first time since Fitzmagic threw 400 yards three games in a row and made it fun. And he was only really prime time because of the fact he walked down to Sean Jackson's clothing. Um, <laughs> given the fact that's the best thing we've had in the last six, seven, eight years, maybe even 10 years with the Buccaneers, uh, it's going to be nice to not be a bit of a laughing stock for a change and be nice to to win some games as well. Uh, it certainly will, mate. I think we can, without even seeing the schedule, we can pencil you in for the first Sky Sports Sunday NFL game. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. Right, mate, let's let you get out of here. Um, as I've been doing with all the guests, mate, where can people hit you up on social media, mate, and find all the good work that you do in your own capacity? Uh, thanks, John. It's been a, an absolute pleasure as always uh, to be on this pod. Been on a couple of times. Always happy to come on whenever you, you want me, um, fantasy or whatever. Uh, you can find me at Murph underscore NFL. You can find Five Yard Rush podcast uh, at Five Yard Rush and all good podcast apps. Find us on YouTube uh, at Five Yard Rush as well. Instagram, all the same. Just search Five Yard Rush anywhere. We're doing some... Uh, big competition so on our website you can enter the FFCC which is the Fantasy Football Challenge Cup it's a 264 team best ball knockout um, almost like the FA Cup bit of a, an English twist on a on American tradition uh, last year was our first year we get some uh, amazing analysts so if you've ever wanted to play against uh, some proper NFL know-it-alls who uh, are on some of your favorite podcasts then you know, this is the tournament for you. The sign-ups on the website. Uh, you can also buy merchandise on the site. We've got some uh, cool gear on there as well. So uh, check that out. Check all our work. We're doing a lot of you know content daily uh, podcasts, two, three times a week. We've just done our mock draft. That's definitely a good watch. You can watch Tim uh, in a very, very dark room. <laughs> it's almost like he's in the mastermind chair. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, talking about why the why the Cowboys should select uh, Xavier McKinney. Um, that's definitely worth a watch. Um, and Lawrence and uh, a few of the other guys were were on it as well. Lee was on it. Um, so yeah, just come on board. Uh, our two pods are very closely linked, and we have a lot of fun together. A lot of people think that we're rivals, which is just not the case. We all just uh, get on and have a lot of fun. So uh, come join the ride. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Really appreciate all the work that you do. Um, obviously, we had stocks on earlier in this series as well, so keep up the great work, boys. Um, obviously, stay safe, mate, in these uh, difficult times. We we joked before we actually started recording last time we spoke, we were on about cooking Christmas dinner and how lovely it would be just to get the family around for beans on toast at the minute, mate, let alone a Christmas dinner, wouldn't it? So, Absolutely. But yeah. at least this way, we've, we've still got the opportunity to do these sorts of things and to talk and to chew and to enjoy... Uh, when we get some relevant news, I guess that's why we're all hanging on to the draft probably more closely than we ever are, given the fact there's nothing else going on to distract us. Um, but it's just amazing that we just can still do these things and chat like normal. And yeah, okay, we're all locked inside, and but there's far worse things as long as everybody continues to abide, to wash their hands, to um, just save lives as much as possible. That's That's all you can ever really do. And just try and have a crack just you know i'm sure that uh you can reach out to sean you can reach out to me we can we you know we'll talk football if you're in your nfl and you should be if you listen to this if you're not then thanks for listening um <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it but just yeah, just get involved just enjoy it and whether you're a first time draft rookie or this is your 50th draft just get involved just just, just reach out to all of us i know everyone involved at, at the full 10 yards um will definitely just welcome any kind of DM or, or tweet, tweet or, or message or anything. And, and the same over with Five Day Rush as well. Just a message uh, if you want to do some fantasy. We're, I'm running some best balls. We want you to do some draft-only stuff just to kill some time. Just do it. It's, it's free. We just want people interacting and having a good time. Absolutely, mate. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Couldn't have said it better. You stay safe, buddy. We'll obviously speak again. Hope the books draft go as well for you, mate. Hopefully the Browns pick Andrew Thomas before you get your chance, but uh, we will wait and see. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. And if you could trade down, that would be awesome. (laughs) Cheers, pal. (laughs) Take it easy. Thanks to all my guests on this podcast. Really enjoyed talking all things NFC South, a division that is making plenty of noise, particularly because of those books. Um, you know, really enjoyed that chat with Murph. Um, probably realistic expectations um, of how far the books have got to potentially come, but certainly I don't think anyone can deny how exciting it will be um, to see them and all of the pieces they are adding, um, but obviously some excellent teams on show. And the Panthers possibly a little bit of a wild card in their rebuilding stages that will do it for this way too early podcast obviously as we have said please continue to interact with us give us your opinions on twitter at full 10 yards obviously on the website as well full 10 yards.com and of course enjoy the draft everybody it's been weeks and weeks of build up it's finally upon us and let's hope that your franchise comes out with the players that you indeed do want so without further ado let's wrap up as always with the great words of kevin cadle and say a bye-bye for now a bye-bye thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com